the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD, news from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Good Saturday to you. Welcome to another edition of your financial editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And of course, as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcast. I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us. A good program for you today. Get ready to rock and roll. Uh, We've got top stories. We've got earnings information, economic data. Joining me in just a little bit, Mr. Desmond Lockman from the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, He penned an op-ed this week in the New York Post titled, America is likely facing a deeper than normal recession. That's a big talk is a recession. Are we in one already? Is one coming? Is it 2022? is one coming in 2023. The uh, guesses are across the map, depending on what economist uh, and analyst that you may listen to. But we're going to talk to Mr. Uh, Lockman about that in just a little bit and get his insight and his opinion as to uh, why he is uh, kind of warning that uh, it's going to be a, a rough ride, to say the least. Well, what do we see this week? A ton of stuff. One thing's Uh, One of the things we saw were uh, automakers are accelerating efforts to use less palladium and more platinum. Why? Due to worries over the palladium supply from Russia. That was according to the World uh, Platinum Investment Council. So automakers were uh, shifting to platinum, which is cheaper than palladium, to save money. But a faster transition uh, would increase platinum demand and actually could lift those prices as well. Russia accounts for around 25 to 30 percent of the world's supply of palladium and around 8 to 10 percent of platinum. So either way, you can start to see these reliances on these foreign countries for various um, commodities is a serious problem. So uh, you've got platinum at around 950 bucks an ounce, give or take a little bit. That's about half as much as palladium. But uh, still, like I said, those costs could could go up. So, you know, countries uh, that we're relying on for this so-called renewable energy sources, you know, they – we can't control the distribution, the costs, et cetera. So I think, again, this is just another example, even though it wasn't talked about, of the importance of us controlling the commodities, the supplies, the materials that we need as much as possible. And if we can't, we need to be getting that type of product from countries that are truly our friends. Um, as opposed to uh, our adversaries. So um, what else did we see this week? Well, we know gas prices continue, and diesel prices, continue to uh, hit all-time record highs. And um, one of the things people continue to ask is, is it going to get better? Um, And the answer doesn't seem to be yes. Like I said, every day we're hitting these new records. And actually, according to a research note I saw this week from J.P. Morgan, the average national retail price for a gallon of regular gasoline is projected to surpass $6 a gallon by the summer. 
So according to J.P. Morgan, prices could surge another 37 percent by August, hitting a six dollar and 20 cent per gallon national average. So obviously in some places it's going to be even higher than that. Other places lower. But this is due to expectations of uh, driving demand throughout the summer driving season, which hasn't, you know, actually happened. That kicks in officially next weekend for Memorial Day weekend. And at last, unofficially as well, to um, um, Labor Day. So the analyst uh, at this J.P. Morgan's global commodity strategy team were saying that um, typically refiners produce more gasoline ahead of the summer road trip season, building up inventories. Uh, However, gasoline inventories have fallen. So it's uh, just the opposite. And again, kind of leads us to think that it is going to get worse, unfortunately, based on the, uh, the data and the supplies that we see. Not what I want to tell you, but it's the truth. And um, you're all feeling it. All of us are feeling it every day. Um, energy uh, in particular, you know, because, again, we can't get around. Well, just like food, uh, we can't function without uh, nourishment. So it's it's really tough. On top of that, I saw that the median monthly nationwide uh, rent reached a record high in April to over $1,900 per month. So, again, a lot of people are feeling that pain. I might be preaching to the choir, uh, but that's what we saw this week. Rents are starting to grow at a little bit of a slower pace, but they're still growing. And it's tough for people that are trying to save up for that down payment on a home. Um, the media monthly nationwide asking rent grew 15% in April uh, compared to a year ago. And rents are still growing at nearly double the rate of overall inflation. So, you know, we talk about gas, we talk about and, and diesel fuel and energy in general. We talk about food. Then you throw in rent. You throw in apparel because uh, material costs more. You throw in electronics if you can get them. Uh, It's one thing after another. And depending on where you live or where you're thinking about going to live and getting an apartment or house to rent, um, the top 10 areas with the fastest rising rent. Here we go. One to 10. I've actually got a list I brought with me. Austin, Texas. 46% that we've seen as far as rising, the fastest rising rents. Portland, Oregon, 33%. Figure that out. This is according to Redfin, by the way, some data that I saw this week. Who wants to go to Portland after we saw it burn and people be murdered? Um, Miami, Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, West Palm Beach, Florida, Seattle, Washington. There's another one. How about New York uh, City? Uh, Those rents up 28%. Who wants to live in New York City or Newark, New Jersey? Uh, So those are just some in the top 10 area uh, or the list there that they have from Redfin that you have to, again, wonder why would people even want to live there, much less pay extremely um, above national average rents that are already crazy. So um, also something that came out 
This week, I wanted to share with you the cost of health care is climbing rapidly, which we know, but especially for retired Americans. There was a new estimate from Fidelity Investments that was released on, I think it was Monday, and it showed that the average 65-year-old couple retiring this year can expect to spend an average of, hold on, $315,000 in health care and other related medical expenses during their retirement. And from what I could tell from that report, it didn't include long-term care if you need it. So much of the increase this year stems from steeper Medicare Part B premiums for Americans that are age 65 or older. Medicare uh, imposed a 14.5% increase on premiums for Part B, that outpatient coverage, in 2022 alone. That's a record high, 14.5%. So again, we're talking about all these things that are expensive, energy, rents, food, uh, and then you throw in health care. So Americans don't necessarily expect to spend so much on health care and retirement. And often, you know, they fail to allocate enough money Um, And that was part of the survey's finding as well at Fidelity. So um, you talk to people, according to this survey, when they did, couples retiring this year only anticipate spending about $41,000 on medical expenses as far as um, their what their average expectation is well below that uh, $315,000 number that I mentioned um, that was uh, found by the survey. So even if you're in the middle of that, right, even if you're between 41 and 315, that is a lot of money. And again, it just stresses even more the importance of financial and retirement planning if you want to have a successful uh, retirement and stay retired, right? Um, And especially in this type of environment with all of these costs just going crazy. We got some big names as far as earnings this week in the retail sector. Walmart missed Wall Street's expectations on their quarterly profit. Total revenue came in um, up 2.4% year over year. But um, analysts still had, you know, some uh, some some higher hopes. And also the company uh, had a profit miss. Uh, They said that was because of higher wage expenses, higher inventory, and higher costs for shipping, storage, fuel, etc. Because of what? What everybody's talking about, inflation. Bottom line results were uh, unexpected and reflect kind of the unusual environment because of the inflation levels uh, here in the United States. And that's kind of what the CEO of Walmart was saying on the uh, the earnings call and in statements. And then you had Home Depot. Uh, now, they actually increased their full-year profit forecast on Tuesday because um, they're benefiting from higher prices and also just a steady demand for building materials and tools, things of that nature. So I think about 50% of um, Home Depot's clientele is uh, they're professional contractors as opposed to just uh, homeowners, do-it-yourselfers. So it was a little bit better for Home Depot 
with their numbers as opposed to Lowe's. Uh, Lowe's reported a bigger-than-expected drop in same-store sales when they came out on Wednesday. Uh, Their sales were down 4% in the first quarter compared with what Wall Street was looking for. That expectation was just a fall of 2.5%. But again, about 75% of um, Lowe's clientele is a is the do-it-yourselfers um the home you know kind of hairy homeowners and they were talking about different impacts um in that area as far as the uh, homeowner now they did also reaffirm their fiscal 2022 outlook so that was good but uh you know not the greatest news for the two big um home improvement retailers that we have here then you have target target came out Uh, on Wednesday and said that their first quarter profit halved and it really just warned of, of even a bigger margin hit targets share stock share price fell 25% on Wednesday in one day targets stock fell 25% in one day. You're talking about a massive retailer, 25% in one day. What did the CEO say? We were less profitable than we expected to be or intend to be over time. That was it. So, you know, many shoppers are upset with Target's stance on social and moral issues. I mean, you know, I'm hearing that name a lot as far as people saying, I don't want anything to do with Target, not only... Um, with uh, shopping there, but they don't want Target in their portfolio because of, uh, and you know, Tar- this is nothing new for Target. It started years ago when they didn't want the Salvation Army ringing the bell outside of their stores at Christmas time. So this is nothing new. You know, they teamed up with Tomboy X to sell chess binders for children who think they want to be the opposite sex, for little girls. That's the kind of stuff Target's doing. I mean, it's child abuse. So um, you have to wonder, the CEO saying, yeah, we were less profitable. Well, guess what? There's good reason for that. And it might get a whole lot worse. And, you know, you see Target, now they're going to put Disney stores in. Well, Disney just released a new, whatever, that LBTQ clothing line for children. So people are worried again about uh, child abuse in certain areas there. The clothing line features the rainbow pride flag printed on T-shirts and baby clothes and bracelets and backpacks and other items for these little kids. Again, what parent would do that? Disney's down there battling with Governor Ron DeSantis and other state lawmakers, and they're digging in. So, you know, keep an eye there again. That's another company that people, many people don't want anything to do with because, you know, if they do these transactions and make money, then uh, that helps. uh, That could help the stock price. Well, people don't want to benefit from that transaction with their stock. So uh, really interesting stuff, interesting dynamics going on uh, right now um, when it comes to many of these, uh, these major corporations. Again, it's nothing new. We've seen them become polluted 
with leadership and especially their board of directors. So um, they're they're making terrible decisions. It's really starting to cost some of them severely when it comes to their uh, their their stock price and their performance, which is good. Again, Target going down twenty five percent in one day couldn't happen to a better company. Um, okay, so quick break. When we come back. Um, we'll be looking at some economic data. Also want to remind you, go to murrayfinancialgroup.com and right there on the homepage, our latest white paper, will the Biden presidency influence stock markets? We know the answer to that, but it has some insight for you um, and gives you a little bit um, of, of kind of knowledge that you might not be considering or uh, the impact on your personal financial planning, retirement planning, investment planning, uh, especially in these just crazy markets where you have the three major stock indices uh, either in correction or bear market territory. So uh, it's a rough ride out there for people. Even more important to understand these types of things. Will the Biden presidency influence stock market to look at parties, politics, and potential returns? Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com and get your free um, download. It goes right to your uh, to your email. Enjoy. Maryland comes to speak out. Free Talk, 930 WFMD. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, you can go to uh, Apple Podcast and uh, get a download of the program. Listen to the uh, podcast there. And uh, quite a bit of economic data this week. Unfortunately, it you know, there was uh, more poor news than than positive news. But one of the things we'll start with that I thought was uh, surprisingly uh, good, Americans ramped up their spending at retail stores in April. So retail sales, which, of course, is a measure of how much consumers uh, spent on a number of everyday goods, whether it's uh, food and gasoline, cars, you name it. But it was up uh, nine-tenths of one percent in April from the prior month, according to the Commerce Department. Uh, Obviously, gas prices have since notched a new record, uh, energy prices in general. uh, Rising inflation is eating away at uh, wage gains that uh, you workers out there uh, probably have seen in recent months. So everybody keeps talking about all the money that's being uh, paid out in wages, and they are better. They've obviously they've increased, but um, inflation is much higher than than wage gains. And then, of course, that's a vicious cycle because when the employer has to raise wages, then those costs are passed on to the consumer, 
And hence, you know, you continue to get these inflationary pressures. So, but anyway, it was good to see that uh, retail sales were up nine tenths of one percent. Uh, that was the expectation. So that wasn't a disappointment. What was a disappointment is uh, w- one of the regional surveys that we saw. Uh, factory activity in New York State really slumped in May for the first time this year. So there was a collapse in new orders and shipments. And the New York Fed's Empire State Index on current business conditions fell 36.2 points to a rating of minus 11.6 for this month. Zero is your break even. You know, if you're above zero, it's growth. If you're below zero, it's contraction. Well, Minus 11.6 is not what you want to see for the New York manufacturing sector. Uh, And by the way, that's one of the forward-looking pieces of data that that many um, folks use. Mortgage demand, unfortunately, when we saw that data uh, on Wednesday, it showed that mortgages tumbled last week. And that was because the average rate on the most popular U.S. home loan hovered near a 13-year high. Um, So the average rate on a 30-year loan is around 5.37%. Just a year ago, that same uh, loan, that 30-year loan, was at 3%. So 5.37 still... I think very attractive, but what has the federal done to people over the last couple uh, decades? They've spoiled us with uh, these crazy, crazy low interest rates, which have fueled asset bubbles um, and uh, created, um, you know, this crazy um, expectation that, you know, you're going to get money for nothing, basically. Um, and in doing that, as opposed to staying ahead of the curve, we're playing, or they are, serious catch-up with, um, with trying to uh, control the best they can inflation. And they're doing a terrible job. They started late. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it, not only with interest rates, but how much money they've printed along and put into the, um, into the economy along with the stupid spending – out of Washington, and they continue to do it. So, you know, any of the Republicans and conservatives that voted for um, the so-called infrastructure bill, which was, I think, 13 of them, um, they should all lose their job when they're up for re-election. Any of them that are voting for this uh, Ukraine thing, they should lose their job. Uh, We have to stop spending period. And some of them will say that when they're running for election or re-election, and then they'll do just the opposite with their vote. So that that has to stop. Uh, obviously, uh, that is not sustainable. Um, and then, you know, when we look at Chairman Powell at the Federal Reserve, um, he, you know, he's saying he's not going to hesitate to hike interest rates until inflation falls. They have a long way to go. I mean, interest rates are right around you know, 1% roughly, and you've got inflation at 8.3%. And again, the spin there is it was at 8.5% and it came down a little bit. 8.3% is nothing to get excited about or try to brag about it. That's embarrassing if you do that. 
right? I mean, the Fed's target is 2, 2%. So this administration, and again, the politicians, no matter what stripe they have, whether they're Republican, Democrat, Independent, that vote for this, uh, you know, these guys that vote for this, this spending, they're terrible. They've got to go. We can't have that anymore. We've got to really, really buckle down. Thirty trillion plus in national debt. That doesn't include Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. So uh, yeah, these guys got to go. Uh, will the Biden presidency influence stock markets? Go to MurrayFinancialGroup.com. It's right there on the homepage. Just click the button. Complimentary download goes right to your email. And enjoy it, and uh, feel free to share it with your friends. That's at murrayfinancialgroup.com. When we come back, we'll talk with Mr. Desmond uh, Lockman from the American Enterprise Institute, and we're going to be talking about recession. He uh, penned a piece that I saw this week um, that was posted. It was an op-ed in the New York Post. So he's going to come on and talk to us about that. I follow the Moscow. And down to Gonky Park, listening to the wind of change. An August summer night, soldiers. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry no more Welcome back. This is Chris Burr, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And, of course, as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. So glad to have you along today. Hope your weekend's going well. And uh, very ha- uh, happy to have back on the program former guest, uh, Mr. Desmond Lockman. He's a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, uh, got his undergrad at the University of Witwatersrand, and his uh, doctorate in economics from Cambridge University. Uh, Mr. Lockman, uh, so glad to have you back. How have, uh, how have you been? I'm well, and thanks for having me back. Yes, sir. So one of the things I saw, uh, actually, the, the last couple months in particular, your writings uh, on recession. So I think it was about um, the towards the beginning or middle of uh, April, you had an op-ed in 1945.com uh, about inflation and recession. And then, of course, just this week, you had an op-ed in the New York Post uh, titled America is likely facing a deeper than normal recession. So I guess it would be good um, if we kind of set the table for the listeners and you can give them uh, an example of uh, what actually defines a recession. Well, technically what a recession is, is it's two successive negative quarters of economic growth. So if the economy actually contracts for two two quarters. That is what one calls a recession. But basically, a recession means that one is having output declining, one's having unemployment increasing, 
that businesses are finding it difficult to get by. So these are unpleasant kind of occurrences. My concern is that the fact that the Federal Reserve has allowed inflation to get so high, and at the same time what they've done is they've allowed bubbles to form in the equity market, the housing market, credit markets, means that now when they're going to have to slam on the brakes to bring that inflation under control, what they're going to do is they're going to throw the economy into a a deep recession. Okay, so and um, one of the things, you know, that people, well, everybody's talking about inflation, and now a lot of people are talking about recession. Um, The uh, guesstimates for a recession are all over the board. Uh, some people think we're already in one. If not, it sure feels that way, at least to a lot of uh, people. Others think uh, it's coming and it will settle in uh, in 2022, whereas other economists and analysts are projecting as far out as 2023 before a recession um you know, really hits the United States. So as you mentioned, uh, back-to-back quarters of negative GDP gross domestic product uh, numbers, we got that in the first quarter. Um, Are you anticipating that for the second quarter as well, or do you think we might escape with a positive number? No, it looks like the data coming in that we should get a bit of a bounce in the second quarter the growth won't be particularly strong. It'll be something like 2%, 3%. But that'll mean that technically we had output declining in the first quarter, but it's likely to bounce in the second quarter. The reason that I think that we will get a recession towards the end of the year, beginning of next year, so this is not that far off anymore, is Basically, we've had real carnage in not only the stock market, but also the bond market, the cryptocurrency market. So if you look at what's occurred, you know, stock prices are down something close to 20 percent in the space of four or five months from their peak. And you add that to the carnage in the bond market and the cryptocurrency market. What we're talking about is we're talking about something like $12 trillion of wealth has suddenly evaporated. That's something like 50% of GDP. At the same time, what we've got is we've got the Fed putting on the monetary policy breaks, getting interest rates. The long rates have risen. Mortgage rates, for for instance, have run from something like 3% at the start of the year to something like 5.5% right now. So you'll get a lot of cooling in the housing market. But all of this is occurring at the same time as the government is becoming more restrictive. So we don't have this Biden $1.9 trillion budget stimulus that we had in 2021. That now fades, so it means that Budget policy is becoming more restrictive at the same time as monetary policy is becoming more restrictive. So when I add all of this together, that we've got carnage in the financial, in the equity, housing markets, we've got high mortgage interest rates, the government is going into a restrictive stance at the same time as the Fed is becoming very much more hawkish, 
And to add it all, we've got the dollar at a 20-year high that is making it more difficult for us to export, making imports a lot cheaper, and we've got slowing abroad. When we put all of that together, I'm not sure how I see how we escape a recession by the end of the year. And in fact, it would seem to me that with what's going on in the equity market and the bond market, the recession is likely to be of a worse kind than has normally been the case in the post-war period. Um, How would you grade the Federal Reserve on their uh, job, say, the last four or five years? Uh, Well, it's a mixed bag. You know, if I look just at the last two years, you know, in response, how they responded to the pandemic in 2020, I'd give them high marks for that, you know, the economy really was uh, in real danger. All sorts of financial markets were freezing up. You know, this was like a layman kind of moment. We could have gone into a really deep recession, deep recession that could have morphed into a depression. The Fed did well, you know, to come out with its guns blazing. So I'd give them high marks for that. Where I'd give them an F, if I could would be for the way in which they behaved in 2021. So when the Biden administration was juicing up the economy with this $1.9 trillion stimulus package at a time that the economy was already recovering pretty strongly, what the Fed chose to do was to keep its pedal to the metal, that what they did is they kept interest rates at zero, they kept buying $120 billion a month, bonds a month, never mind that the equity and the housing markets were on fire, the Fed keeps fueling this. So now they've got a slam on the brakes and you know, that is what is going to throw this economy into a nasty recession. So they really done extremely poorly. They should have known a whole lot better. They should have been raising interest rates at, at least by the middle of last year, they should have been stopped to all of this buying of the bonds. You're flooding the market with liquidity. And, uh, you know, their job, famously, uh, William McChesney Martin said some time ago that their job is to take the punch bowl away from the party when the party gets ready going. And it seems to me as what they were doing is they were spiking the punch bowl, you know, that we're now going to have a pretty nasty hangover. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And it was very, um, you know, you really had to scratch your head when you saw uh, all of that spending by uh, the the administration last year. And um, we saw these bubbles kind of, uh, you know, expanding, uh, especially the financial markets. And um, they just continued. And that's, I mean, they have two mandates, right? It's full employment and uh, price stability. So seeing all this inflation coming, uh, literally in the data, I just don't understand why it took them so long to uh, to react to that. I mean, the horse is already out of the barn. Well, you know, maybe it had something to do with Jerome Powell wanting to be renominated. Who knows? But I agree with you absolutely. 
that all the signs were there that they needed to step on the brakes. But the point that is of relevance is, as well, is you know how irresponsible they were to keep fueling the equity and housing market bubbles. Now it looks to me like what I'm finding difficulty understanding is just as these bubbles look like they're bursting, what the Fed in its wisdom is choosing to do is to commit itself to withdraw liquidity from the markets at the pace of $95 billion a month beginning in August, you know, going then each succeeding month taking $95 billion out. So going from a situation in 2021 where they were adding $120 billion a month, now they're going to be taking out 95. That's a swing of $215 billion. And they're doing it at precisely the time that the financial markets are very weak. So they're obviously, at least I think, they're going to have to back off that. You know, if we do see the economy weakening and we do see markets continuing to be in the funk, the Fed's going to have no option but to back off, you know, make yet another U-turn. So this Fed strikes me as being totally at sea. Yeah, I think you're spot on there for sure. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with our guest this morning, Mr. Desmond Lockman. He's a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Just want to let you know, if you go to AEI.org, you can get a ton of uh, free information, very good information, uh, I think, you know, these these folks like Mr. Lockman are very knowledgeable, have a lot of experience. Um, you can find all of his writings uh, there at AEI.org, and uh, including the ones we're talking about, the uh, recent one, uh, the op-ed he did uh, that landed in the New York Post, America is likely facing a deeper than normal recession. Um, it's a fairly uh, quick read, but very informative. And uh, again, you can check out uh, his other work and his uh, uh, colleagues. There's a a bunch of really smart people there. And if you go to AEI uh, dot ORG, you'll be able to have access to that. We're back in just a minute. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts and you can get the program there. So glad to have you along this weekend. Wrapping up our discussion with our guest this morning, Mr. Desmond Lockman. He's a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. uh, And uh, he has been a professor at Johns Hopkins at Georgetown University. uh, Also managing director and chief emerging market uh, economic strategist at Solomon Smith Barney. Uh, Go back a while. uh, That 
name's a, a little rusty, but obviously a, a famous name in uh, the history of, of Wall Street. So I guess, uh, Mr. Lockman, that leads me into another question, you having that experience in emerging markets. How does the rest of the world look uh, as far as their economies uh, since we've been talking about ours and the uh, pending recession that you see coming? Is that something that's nation or excuse me, global? Yeah, absolutely. And that is part of the problem that the Fed has also created. So what we've had is during a period of very easy money policy, you know, that the Fed ran for quite a long time, you know, by having interest rates at zero, by flooding the market with liquidity, what happened is a lot of money went out to the emerging markets. So there was a lot of money being loaned to countries with very dubious credit histories, with very dubious abilities to repay. And what they've done is they've borrowed boatloads of money at low interest rates to finance questionable activities. Now that the Fed is forced to raise interest rates, what is happening is this money is coming back to the United States, away from the emerging markets, and it's doing so at exactly the time that these economies are being hit really very hard by the Russian invasion of Ukraine in the form of very high oil prices, very high food prices. So what we're expecting now, or should I say the World Bank is expecting, is a whole wave of defaults in many of these emerging market countries, you know, particularly those in Africa, poorer countries in Asia. And what that'll do is it'll just add to the financial market stress. So the United States is not alone in problems. Uh, and the other thing I would just add is that China, which is now the world's second largest economy. In 2008, what happened is when we were turning down and the rest of the world was going into recession, China stimulated the economy and promoted growth in China, and that helped the world economy. This time around, what is occurring is China is following a zero-tolerance COVID policy. So what China is doing is it's economy is sputtering. So now we've got not only the United States economy likely to go into recession, but we've got China sputtering. So we've got, in short, it looks to me like we've got a synchronized global economic slowdown, you know, which makes more difficult for the United States, you know, to get out of any recession. Yeah, and uh, to China, to that point, uh, we I don't even think we've seen the uh, total impact from their, like you said, their zero tolerance policy, especially uh, when it came to the shutdowns in the ports uh, where a, a lot of the uh, merchandise and product that they had uh, created was able to get in or out. Correct. That what it's doing is it's prolonging these supply chain problems. You know, so many U.S. companies are complaining, you know, that they're not getting the inputs that they need from China. And what China is doing is, you know, if you close Shanghai, which is one of the largest Chinese 
ports, that causes all sorts of problems with shipping globally. You know, so China is really uh, uh, not helping. So it just adds to the difficult international picture that we have. China is not, uh, that's not a problem that the United States uh, created. But, you know, I would blame problems in the emerging markets to the Federal Reserve, that they flooded those economies with uh, cheap money. And now what they're doing is they're raising the interest rates and they're bringing that money back, which is going to cause a lot of difficulty later this year in many emerging market economies. Yeah, sure sounds like it. Uh, my guest this morning, Mr. Uh, Mr. Desmond Lockman, uh, he's a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. You can go to AEI. Dot org and uh, find his uh, latest writings and uh, also other uh, free and very uh, informative uh, information. So you can go there and get that. Mr. Lockman, thanks a lot for uh, taking time out of your schedule to join us. It's been a while since you've been on, but it was really great having you back. My pleasure. Good to talk to you. Yes, sir. Take care. And uh, we're out of time, so uh, we'll... Uh, you know, wrap up the program. We're up against a hard break. And uh, uh, it was really good talking to Mr. Lockman, very knowledgeable, a lot of experience. I mentioned, you know, he was at um, Solomon Smith Barney. He was also at the uh, International Monetary Fund back in the uh, early 90s. Um, So, uh, you know, I always like I like his reading what he puts out, but also talking to him every now and then. Um, I'm not thrilled here that he thinks a recession's coming. Uh, Like I said, those uh, thoughts and guesses are all over the board. Some say we'll avoid it. Some say we're already in it. Some say uh, that it'll be later in the year, as it sounds like Mr. Lockman is anticipating at this point. Some folks pushed it out to 2023. Uh, so you kind of pick your poison there with, um, with you, you know, who you're going to go with or just how you feel about it. Like, I feel like we're already in one because of all of the, the pain that we talk about on a daily basis. You know, energy costs, food costs, um, apparel. We talked about rents at the beginning of the show. I mean, just in general, uh, there's a lot of pressure on people and, um, and, and it just has a real nasty feel to it. So um, we'll keep on it. You know, we'll keep giving you the top stories, the economic data, what the Fed's doing or what they're not doing. Um, I'm not a like uh, at one point, Mr. Lockman said, give the Fed uh, an F grade on what they're doing, um, you know, or what they did in 2021. And up to this point, I, I agree. I think the Fed has been, you know, their policies has been a massive failure. Uh, the last few years in particular, uh, or a couple years, I should say. But anyway, we'll keep after it. Like I said, um, I will talk with you on the Morning News Express with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. Those are live uh, discussions. When we do the business updates at 550, 650, uh, every weekday morning. And then we'll be back here next week. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll give you the latest data, drill down a little deeper as to the uh, top stories. And I um, want to let you know you can go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. 
Uh, right there on the homepage, complimentary download, will the Biden presidency influence stock markets? I think we already know the answer to that, but it's got some good information in there, and I'm getting ready to take it down and put up a new white paper, so you might want to grab that. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com and uh, download that. And like I said, I will talk with you on the Morning News Express and then right back here uh, next weekend. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. editions of this program are available in the audio vault at wfmd.com news radio 930 wfmd frederick a connoisseur media radio station seven o'clock